0: morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, uh, I don't know about you guys. I know that today's not a great example of it, but um, it's good to get into the spring, isn't it? Especially up here, right? We're, uh, you know, coming out of the winter. That's that's kind of everything. And so um, this last weekend hasn't been that great. But again, just to be able to drive on our way home and you see kind of the, the trees are starting to, you know, leaves are coming out and the the flowers and the colors. So that's been great. You know, last week we talked about uh we looked at um the first couple of verses in the book of Genesis and we saw how God when he he formed creation, he reached down kind of into this this really this um, chaotic mess that was down there, that emptiness and he formed he formed the spaces and then he filled those spaces with that life and he he made this beautiful creation. So the now Uh, We have the opportunity, our lives are actually walking through, um, just walking through this creation every day and just coming into um, regular contact, just surrounded by kind of his gifts, the goodness, right? That that good creation that's all around us. Um, Every day, really, we could be in this constant just thankfulness. If we were, if we are tuned into it, we could just have this constant prayer of Thanksgiving going on, couldn't we? of just as we come to gift, and then gift, and gift, and gift, and gift, goodness, and goodness, and goodness that we're surrounded by. Amen? And I was thinking about it. You know, I could, I could actually, that could be the sermon this morning. I could send you guys home now and say, well, how are we doing with that? Right? How about we just work on that? Let's just be more thankful this week. Amen? That could be it. But we're going to go on. <clears throat> so we're not quite done yet. Um, against that black, uh, that backdrop right, of all that goodness. We see God create this goodness. But what we found in this world is also against that backdrop, what we also see very clearly is then also the tragedy of what's become. Uh, Because of the way that we decided as humanity, we broke away from God. We broke away from his ways. We said, you know, we're going to do it our way. We're going to break away from your wisdom. We're going to make up our own wisdom. We're going to break away from the ways that you've wanted us to use creation. We're going to figure out our own ways to, to use this. And we see against that goodness, don't we? We see that, that tragedy of what's become of the, the brokenness that's entered, in that, the way that it's impacted this world, the way that it's impacted us in this world. And we see uh, very clearly, even in the, the very great you know the massive kind of overview, but also the very simple things I was. Yeah, as we were getting into this, this series about the element, you know, out of our element, and and talking about these these elements, you think of something as simple as like water, and, and we've we've developed like instead of this purely this this pure relationship with water as this good thing that God has given us, we kind of have this love hate relationship even with something as, as obviously good as that, don't we? So on the one hand, we're we're in the ocean state, and we're in the ocean state, and because we're in the ocean state. Everybody says, well, we love the water, right? Everybody in here, you guys love the water? Everybody at home, you love the water? We can't wait till summer because we get to be out in the water. But yesterday I was driving through Goddard Park and yesterday they had this 5K run and bike ride through, water, through Goddard Park. And as the water was falling from the sky, right? On that cold, miserable day, they weren't exuding this love for the water, were they? It's kind of this, you know, we love it sometimes, but there are other times, yeah, that's not so... That's not so enjoyable. We love it when the surf, you know, we go down and we see the surf pounding on the shoreline and the rocks, and it's so beautiful, even in the midst of a storm. But the storm gets too big and the surf becomes a surge. All of a sudden, it's like the, that, that uh, awe of that water it becomes kind of a fear. We begin to fear for our lives, and then the surge becomes a tsunami. Then we run. Because this, even this very simple thing becomes something that can become very deadly in our lives. Do you guys know even something as simple as drinking water? We, we can't do without it. We can't go but only a few days without water. But if we drink too much, too quickly, even water becomes a poison to us. It can kill us. And I think all of that just shows us that you know, there has been this disconnect in creation and it really started at that moment that we said, you know what? I'm going to break away. I'm going to break away from what God has said and how God has said the best way to go at life is you know, what he created me for and what he created this world for. I'm going to start using it the way that I want to. And when we started doing that, we saw this, this breakdown where even the, most, the, the obviously good gifts of God can become this, this place of um, almost like a... a can become detrimental, can become devastating in our lives. You know, it, there is not a, uh, a passage where you see this, especially when you're talking about water, that you see this more clearly than the passage that we're going to look at this morning in Genesis. We're in the book of Genesis. We started last week, book of Genesis chapter 1. We're in Genesis chapter 6 this week. So if you would, if you would stand with me, uh, we're going to be reading. And as you're standing, just get your hearts ready to hear from God. Just kind of quiet your hearts, open your ears, the ears, not just your physical ears, but your spiritual ears to hear what he might have to say to us this morning. Genesis 6, this is chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out humankind who I have created from the face of the land, from the people to the animals to the creeping things, even to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I think there are times more often than we'd like to admit or like to think that we do things that are really in direct contradiction to what God wants us to be about right? I mean, every one of us, we know that. And, and we find that in those times that those, those things that were intended to be gifts and intended to be life-giving in our lives, they, actually, they become our judge. They become these, these things that actually uh, we find can even take life away. And our problem is, is that we know that that's our fault. I mean, we like to avoid it, we like not to admit it, but we know that we're the ones that broke the world. God created a beautiful place, and we, we've messed it up, and we continue to mess it up. We continue to choose things at times that uh, continue to devastate this world. And in those moments, we know that we, we feel like we're under guilt, we're under shame, right? You guys all know those feelings. I know those feelings. And we know that, we, <laughs> that that's, like our, that's our natural environment. That is, if we talk about living in our element, that's our element. Because we know what we've done, and we know that the judgment that comes, we probably deserve it. But in those moments, we also see very clear, because of the love that God has for us, and because of the way that, that, may, that love makes him pursue us, he also reaches out and he offers us Grace. hope in those moments. I said last week that this book from beginning to end, and we looked at the opening verses and we saw that this is a book of hope that God gives to us. To the very end, we find it even here in chapter six, we find God's message of hope. This is also a book that from beginning to end is a message of grace because it's based on that grace that that hope exists. Because even when we have those things that we have messed up so thoroughly God still reaches out, and he, he, he seeks to bring us out of our element, out of that guilt and shame, into his favor and out from the flood. Amen? Father, this morning, we want to hear your message of hope to us. Some of us right now are, are in that place where we feel that weight, that weight of shame, that weight of guilt, that weight of judgment, that weight of condemnation, and we can't wriggle out of it because some of us all of us, we, if we're honest, we see how we've had a part in in really making a mess of things. Things that you intended for beauty, you intended for good, and, and we've, we've ruined them. And that responsibility falls on us. But Father, in those places of weight, in those place, places of condemnation where we, even our own hearts, condemn us, You said that you've reached out to us, just like you did to Noah. in order that you might bring us out of that guilt, out of that condemnation. And you might rescue us and bring us into, into your favor and out of this flood. So, Father, this morning, I pray that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open, that we would hear very clearly this word of grace that you have for us this morning. Because we need it. We need it every day. So, Father, we pray that you'd speak to us clearly in your voice. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who has given his own life, that these these gifts might be available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit who works these things in us. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. When I was uh, in high school, uh, there was a guy in our church that he hired me and he hired a couple of my friends. Uh, to come and do some yard work for him over the summer. And he lived out on this lake, and it was over the summer, and there, there were a couple of days that got pretty hot, and he said, you know, if you ever want to, just bring your swim trunks, you can go swim in the lake, you know, cool off afterwards. And, and so we were there one day, and it got, it got really hot, and we got to the end of the day, and we said, you know, let's go swimming, but none of us had brought our swim trunks. And, and no, this isn't a story about skinny dipping or anything like that, um, because <laughs> we're in the middle of the neighborhood, too, middle of the day. We're not about to strip down, and, you know, so... So instead, we say, you know what, let's, let's just try this. Let's go swim in our, in our uh, blue jeans, right? And um, so we start, we, we take off our shirt and our shoes and socks and empty our pockets out. We start wading out there. We start you know, swimming out uh, to this, this um, there was a raft that was out about 100, 150 yards out into the lake. And uh, we start making our way out there. Now, if you've ever tried swimming in blue jeans before, I don't know if you guys have ever done that but they have this incredible ability to soak about probably 10 times their weight in water. And, and suddenly they become clingy and heavy and it, just swimming is miserable, which is why you don't see a lot of people you know, out of the beach swimming in blue jeans. Uh, one of the reasons, it also looks silly. But um, we were out there and, and so we're, we're struggling to make it to this raft. Well, I make it to the raft. One of my friends makes it to the raft. We turn around and we see that our other friend, he's about halfway out and he's not gonna make it. And he is really struggling to the point that we knew just looking at him, uh, he's going to probably drown right in front of us. If and we're tired at this point, but he's going to drown in front of us if we don't go right now to do something. So we dive in, and I mean it was probably the most ungraceful thing you've ever seen. But we ended up getting him to the shore, uh, and he was none the worse for the wear. Thankfully, um, he he was you know he was pretty hopped up on uh, adrenaline at that point. He was pretty terrified, but, you know, he was safe. And that was probably the closest I have ever been, where I saw this really uh, face-to-face with this stark kind of contrast of what a blessing water can be, but also what a threat water can be in life. And I had never really thought about it. I had never seen it that close before. Well, in uh, Genesis chapter 6, we see the same contrast that's brought out. And, and for most of us, we go through life, and water is a gift. It's an essential to our lives. But in, in Genesis 6, this contrast between this kind of the good side and the dark side of water is brought out very clearly uh, in the story of Noah. And as we look at that passage, one of the ways that it's brought out is the, the very language that's used, just the story itself itself. And what we find is the story that we read last week about creation, it takes some of the same language of the story of creation, but it it like turns it upside down. So it almost becomes this story of uncreation in chapter six. And so In Genesis 1, you see God looking out over and one of the things it talks about is the waters and the deep and this kind of this this uncreated or this unformed just kind of um, depth and chaos of just this watery um, flood that's out there. And God speaks into it with his word of creation. And out of that, he brings into being the seas that are bounded and the dry land and the the beauty of creation. He creates all that. And as he sees it, it says he sees it, and he says, it is good, right? Well, then you get to chapter six. And he doesn't start with the word, he starts with seeing. And he looks out over all the creation that's been created and he sees the creation and he says, this isn't good. In fact, this is wickedness, this is evil, this is brokenness like it was never intended. To the point that every thought down to the core of man's humankind's being was wicked continually, was evil continually. He said, this isn't good. And So instead of speaking a word of creation, he speaks this word of judgment, this word of uncreation. And He says, I'm not going to build, I'm going to blot out. In fact, I'm going to wipe out everything. I'm going to wipe out not only, it's not only going to be humankind, but it's every blessing that I have surrounded them with, that I have filled this, wor- this world with. And again, he just emphasizes that this world was created for our benefit, for our blessing. He says there's no humankind there. There's no reason for all of creation. This world was created for them. So I'm just going to wipe it all out. Now, contrary to um, some people's opinion, when God did this, he wasn't happy about it. In fact, if you read this account, it says in the same way that humankind, our heart to the very core of who we were, we were evil through and through that God it says he was devastated, he was grieving in his heart to the core of who he was. And so we find that judgment, judgment isn't something that God he just explodes and reactively against something. He says, oh, you're not gonna and he crushes us. Instead judgment is something that that patiently just comes into being because it reaches this point that it's this irresolvable sorrow. That develops in God's heart and a regret that, it, that there has to be this. And, and so what we find here is this ultimate, this uncreation story to the point that throughout the rest of the Bible, we, we find that when it talks about God's judgments, these, these moments when God in this, this grief and in this sorrow feels that he has to, he, he just regrets that's, that things have become so broken and he needs to just kind of wipe things clean. Whenever you see that, oftentimes it's referred to as the flood. The flood of God's judgment. The flood of that, that moment when, when things have gotten so bad that God is just, he's like, I, I wish, I, I wish I would've, it would have been better had I never brought this into being. And one of the things that we have to be careful of and we have to be aware of, we have the ability, we have the capability to bring things to that bad of a place. That's the kind of power God has given us. That's the kind of freedom God has given us, that we could bring things to that kind of a place. But isn't it amazing the last line that he tags onto the story? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Even in this, this uncreation story, there's hope. Because this is, a, this is a word of hope. God's word is always full of hope because it's always a word of grace. And Noah found favor. Noah found grace that was extended to him in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we need to know that. We need to know that because we live, like I said, our, our native environment, our element is that we live under shame and guilt and condemnation, and rightfully so. We, in our most lucid moments, we we accept that, we we admit that. We say, "Yeah, I, I don't deserve the good that I see. I do deserve the judgment that may come upon me." And so we live on the the weight of this. Is is kind of like the. It's like the gravity that we feel holds us is more like the atmosphere that we just feel constantly pressing down on us. And we just feel like we've gotten so used to it that we're like, well, I guess this is just what life is. You live under that constant weight of guilt and shame, and we just got to deal with it, get used to it. And what the Bible tells us is that we know we're not great people. We know that that we are aware of that. We might try to deny it. We might try, but again, sometimes when we don't have to go far that where we really think about it. We know that we can be and we have been in our lives. There have been times that we have been conniving. We have been manipulative. We have been hateful. We've been hurtful. We've been selfish. We've been self-centered. We've been greedy. We've been deceitful. We know that. And we know that if we look at any of our, um, the Bible doesn't let us off the hook to say that you know it's somebody else, the devil made me do it, somebody else made me do it. But we know that even if I have had good moments and I've had even good seasons, that I have enough wickedness in my life. All of us do things that I have, and all that I mean is I've done enough bad things to other people that have cost them. I have done enough things that I have tried to gain something for myself at the expense of someone else, whether it's a word I've spoken or an act I've done. I've done enough things in my life. I know I have enough in my life that I do not deserve the goodness of God. I know that. We all know that. And the way that we can tell we know that, (laughs) that we know that guilt and shame is our native environment. This is where we live, is because when something bad happens to us, think about this. When something bad happens to us, we don't get like a straight, single conversation that goes on in our head. We have this like ping-pong conversation, don't we? God, that's not fair. Well, unless you're thinking about the one thing I did. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, but nobody deserves this. Well, except for me, because that was pretty bad. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, but uh, why me? I mean, there's so many other people that are worse than me, but, but yeah, there are those people that are better than me, too. So I, Right? It's never that one, I have a strong defense against God. It's like me going back and forth and back and forth because we we know it. And so one of the first floods that we find is that this gift where this thing that was meant to be this gift from God has come into, the, instead of being this life-giving gift, has become this kind of destructive uh, dynamic in our life, is that self-awareness and that imagination and that creativity and the memories, the ability that God has given us to remember things all of a sudden becomes twisted and comes like a flood and just, and like, just mugs us. It makes us feel like, we yeah, we don't deserve anything. That's the flood. And then Jesus, when he's, he's talking in, in Matthew 7, and he says, you know, there are people that we're always, we're building our life up and it's like a, building a house. And he says, depending on the foundation that you have, right, that you know a flood's going to come. And the flood's going to come and it's going to crash against the house. It's going to crash against your life. And for those who have one foundation, it's going to stand. But for those who have another foundation, a weak foundation, it's just going to be wiped out. I go, Man, that, that's life. That is, that is so true. But do you hear the, do you hear the grace, even in that, that's offered? He says, yeah, but there is a foundation. <laughs> you can, there's a rock that's available to build on. And God says, so build on there. there's hope. You can survive this flood. You can survive, the house can stand just, just sink it into the right foundation. The same way as, as hope was found and grace was found in the story of Noah, where he says, yeah, the flood's coming, but there's an ark. I can show you how to build a boat that will lift you up and carry you through this storm and set you safely through it on the other side. When the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they're trying to escape from from Egypt, and God's bring them out. And the greatest military power of the world of that day was chasing after them. And they found themselves stuck between that army and the Red Sea, which is essentially just a flood that's in one place, right? Because they know that they're either going to die trying to swim across this thing, they're going to drown in the sea, or else they're going to be killed by this flood of this army that's coming in with their with their swords and their weapons. But in that moment, God says, no, I'm going to because I want to bring you into my favor and out of this flood because you're my people, because you're the ones that I love. And he carves a path right through the middle of the sea, right through the flood. Other times we find that he carves paths right through this invading army, and the army just is is left without power, is left in disarray and flees, and, and, and the flood dissipates. In Isaiah 43, Verse one through three, God, I think, is speaking to us and he's, as he's speaking to uh, Israel along with all of his people. It says, but now thus says the Lord, your creator. Remember Genesis, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Even when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Always, God has given, even in the midst of the flood, he has given us this message of hope. He doesn't say you're not going to walk through the rivers. He just says, when you do, I'll be with you. He doesn't say that the flood's not going to come. He says, I just, if I'm with you, it won't overflow you. I will always bring you through it. You know, in the New Testament, it says that when we're, we we celebrated baptism uh, of a couple of uh, a couple of baptisms this last Easter, and in the New Testament it says that when we're baptized, that this is a sign of is this, this symbol of that flood that we are we are uh, we're covered by we're immersed in or this water is poured over us. This very water, this gift of God, that was meant to be, <laughs> this gift that was meant to be. A blessing in our lives that then became also this vehicle of judgment, and now God, it says, He has taken that and He sees like transformed it one more time, and we're we're immersed in this 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 water that has become this flood this this flood that represents God's judgment this this judgment that should wash us away with our sins. It, it, it's this flood of of that constant shame and guilt and condemnation that surround us. This this flood. Uh, even the flood of death that all of us are consumed by at the end. And he says, you're immersed in it. But He says, I don't leave you there. Because my message of hope, my, the grace that I have given you is that then you're, you're drawn up out of it. In the same way that we are, we are baptized into death with Christ and we're pulled out of it as a sign that we're, we're brought through it into new life because of Christ. And so here we are because we see that this, this gift that was given at creation, that then be, the thing that started out as the chaos, that then became the gift, that then became that vehicle of judgment, the flood. He's, 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 he's changed it again. And it becomes what he calls sacrament. This, this vehicle of his grace where he takes the the very the very thing that seemed to be something else that seemed to be a, a an element of judgment, and instead he makes it the the very the, the the way that he blesses our lives, the way that he brings life to us again, but this time not just not just like a short, not just a temporary, not just physical life, but the eternal life that he intended all along. The thing is, uh, this series, you know, this isn't just about. The series isn't just about, you know, the the elements of our world. It's not just water was long considered, you know, one of the four elements that made up all of the earth, earth, air, fire, and water, right? And so they believe that everything was made out of a certain amount of those four things. But we're not just here to talk about water. We're not just here, uh, even though that we're not just here to talk about the guilt and shame that we live under, that becomes the element of, you know, in our element, our native environment. We're not here just to talk about those. It's really talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about how God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, what he does, we talked about last week where he, he reaches down into kind of that chaos, into that judgment, how he creates something new. And it's always through the power and the presence of his, his Holy Spirit. We see this in this. We're not talking about water. We're not just talking about baptism, baptism just dunking people in water. No, we're talking about how God takes that that common water, and he makes it something so far beyond anything we would have imagined, that he makes it actually the vehicle that he uses as the vehicle of our salvation. He brings us into Christ, into that one who has become kind of like Noah had his ark. Well, we have Jesus who brings us through the judgment, who brings us through that condemnation that we deserve. And instead, he becomes a shelter for us, so he brings us safely through and brings us to the other side. Jesus said, just like in the days of Noah, this, world, this world's going to end too. We're, we're well on our way to a path where the brokenness is just this, it, it, it constantly brings this sorrow to God's heart. And in his patience, he waits. In his patience, he gives us room to, to hear that message of hope and hear that message of grace and reach out and receive that. But there is coming a day that, that he will undo this world, and all that will remain is the new world that he is bringing about. In the same way that he brought Noah through this flood, and all that remained is what, what he brought through it. What's funny is that in, in the Bible, when, the, the, um, when God talks about the Holy Spirit, He says he's a lot like water, but he's like a new kind of water. In this water, we found that this water became corrupted. This water became both our our friend and our enemy in many ways. But he says, no, the Holy Spirit's like water, except he can't be corrupted. He'll, He'll never be the one who turns on us. He's the one that... He, he satisfies our spiritual thirst, but he will never be, will, will never be so filled with the spirit that, that we're crushed, that we're destroyed. He says that he is the one that, that pours over us and washes us clean from the stains of this world and the stains of our sin and the stains of our habits and our addictions and our, uh, just our brokenness. He washes us clean from that but he will never, will never be so covered by him that we, that, that we can't breathe, that we can't, we'll can't. never be crushed by him. He, he is the water of this. And, and he even says that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that pours out from the deepest part of us, that deepest part of us that in the days of Noah that people were using to create evil, every kind of evil they could think of. He says he comes from that, he, he begins to fill and he's like a spring that comes in that part and he pours out from us like a river like a flood, but not a flood that destroys. Instead, it's this flood of that message, of that hope and that grace. that God is reaching out, that hope and that grace that this world that is still is, is, is covered by, just lives under that, 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 that cloud, that weight of condemnation and of guilt and of shame. They need to hear that, that message of freedom, that message of salvation. Now, in the days of Noah, only his... Only his family was allowed in that ark, but today it says, you know what? Today something greater than Noah's happening here. It's a greater rescue, and it's a greater salvation, because it's not just one family, this family or that family. It's, it's anyone. It's everyone is invited to, to have a place in this, this, this vehicle, this, this vehicle of grace. Salvation that we find in Christ because God, his desire to bring us out of the very flood and to even use the very, the, very, the very water of that flood to then become the vehicle that he takes and he turns it, transforms it to become the vehicle of the sacrament, the vehicle of his grace that he rescues us eternally, brings us into his favor and out of the flood. Amen. God is a good God. What do we do with that? I think there are three things we need to think about in that. One, one is this: some of you guys, uh, you may need to uh, think about just that taking up God's, taking up God on His offer of that grace. Some of you may be sitting under that guilt and shame. And that covering, and you may be saying, you know what? Um, I've never even, I have never been reached out and, and, and just told God, I want, I, I want that rescue. I want to be out from under this guilt. I want to be out from under this flood. I want you to rescue me and take me through that flood, take me safely to that place of new life, that place of being born into your kingdom. Some of you guys might need to start there. It's as easy as a simple prayer. Just, and, and by prayer, I just mean a conversation with God where you say, you know what? I, I need that. I know I need that, and I want that. Taking him up on his, on his invitation that in Christ, you might be rescued, that by the power of his Holy Spirit, he might bring you into that place of salvation and into that, that place of rescue. Some of you guys, I think uh, it may be that it's the idea of, you know, so first, uh, it may be take God up on the offer. Second, it may be um, be baptized. And, and for some of you, it may be that literal baptism of just following Christ. And he said, you know, if you're, if you're going to follow me, be baptized. Be immersed into that judgment. Be immersed into that place of sacrament so that I might pull you out and you might show the world that God has immersed me into judgment, but he's brought me out into salvation. And it may be something, but there's something that goes on in baptism well beyond just getting wet. Because baptism isn't just something that happens one time. Baptism is something that then we live out every day after that. As we live under that process of, it says, the washing of the water that is of the word this washing, this covering, this washing of the Holy Spirit as he transforms us daily into the image of Christ. And Some of you guys need to put yourself under that fountain, under that flow of the Holy Spirit as you just let him pour over you. And there are some ways you can do that. I know that some of you, um, you know, Pastor Cheryl, if you talk to her about, how, where can I be that I can be, I can be uh, kind of... Um, in touch with the word and interacting with the word in a way that it can transform me. Because we have rooted groups that are just get kind of a basic overview of what's happening, of what the church is, of what God wants to do in your life. We have ID groups that take us deeper into finding out what is God doing in me specifically. You can talk to Pastor Cheryl about those. We have Bible studies that we have groups of people that are getting together just saying, I want to just get in here and let God's word wash over me and change That's part of what being baptized and changed into the image of Christ is. It's constantly putting ourselves under that transforming power of the Holy Spirit through his word. Three, I would say, um, some of us just need to live into the reality. Just remember who we are. We've already been brought through. We've been connected with Christ. We've We've been placed on that ark. So when those floods hit, don't, don't fall back into the old ways you used to have to deal with them. Don't try and take it on in your own power as if somehow you have to deny it or you have to just, yes, the flood has come, but you're no longer out there on your own in that flood. You have been brought into Christ. So live into that new identity. Live into that, the promises of who he says you are. God, you've said when I go into the flood that I'm not going to be alone, that you're going to walk with me, and it's not going to overflow me. God, you have told me that this flood—that there's nothing in this world that can stand against me—that's going to crush me, because your Holy Spirit, who now gives me life, is going to always be bringing me into life, not into death. There's no downside to this new water I've been given. You know, John the Baptist at one time he said he said Jesus is going to be greater than me because I baptize in water, but he baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Do we lean into what it means to be people of the Holy Spirit, people who live in the power and the presence and the promises that are brought to us and the transformation that happens in us through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, who live in this constant awareness of the river that just gushes out of us and that is made available, this hope and grace that are for other people? Do we realize and lean into that, that we are constantly living as those that are like these pictures of what it means that God wants to bring us into his favor, into his hope, into his grace, and out of the flood. Amen?